0: Proverbs four twenty three. Everybody there? It says keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Notice that guard or keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of your life. Amen. Let's look at first Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, you guys are a good looking group tonight, I appreciate you coming, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3, and we're going to start in verse 6, I don't think this is going to be a long message, I know you've heard that before, but... Uh, We'll see how it goes. I don't have a whole lot of notes, but I've done it. I've done longer with no notes before. So first Corinthians three and verse six, it says, I planted Apollos watered. You know, if I would have had a boy, I would have named him Apollos, <laughs> but God, how many know you need to get out of God's way, but God, cause God's butt's bigger than your butt. Amen. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse 7, So so then neither who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. In verse 8, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. Underline that. You are God's field. Or the amplified says, You are God's garden. And you are God's building according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. So bring. So the title of my message tonight, if you're taking notes, is Guard Your Garden. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, Guard your garden. Come on, with a little more attitude. Guard your garden. You Everybody guard your garden. <laughs> Thank you, Dunkey, for that. I appreciate that. Let's look back over at Proverbs. Words of wisdom from Dunker. Dr. Dunker. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. We like to get, get started real nice and slow, and then we, then we take off. Got to lay a foundation before we get going here. So Proverbs 4.23, let's read it again just for fun. Keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Amen. You guys ready for tonight? You guys responsive tonight? We go to a Pentecostal church? Amen. Okay. We'll act like it. So that means we're vocal. That means we shout more than other churches because we're Pentecostal. Amen. So, the more you shout, the shorter I preach. So. Or the longer I go. Depends on if I feel like you're encouraging me enough. So. As I said, tonight we're going to be talking about guard your garden. And in Proverbs 4.23 it says, Keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And you've got to realize the most important thing you have in life is your heart. Or we know it as your spirit. Not just your, I mean, your, your natural heart's. Very important to you, to live. But he's talking more about your heart. That means your inner person, your inner man, which is your spirit. But we're going to use the word heart. So you can exchange them, heart, spirit, your inner man, whatever you want to call it. And we see that Solomon says in Proverbs, which he was the wisest man who ever lived. He didn't always follow his wisdom that he gave to other people. And uh, it's actually funny when I read this verse. It said, "Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life." In the commentary in the Spirit-filled Life Bible, it says Solomon should have took his own advice, <laughs> because uh, when Solomon was younger, he was very wise and he did serve God. But he got a little bit older and he didn't guard his heart. He didn't keep his heart, and he got hooked up with some wrong women. I just preached. I don't know if you understood that I just preached, but I just preached. He got messed up with some women and with some money. mm -hmm, The gold, the girls, and the glory. And uh, he got taken out. And Solomon, uh, he died a very lonely, uh, desperate, depressed man. If you can read Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote that at the end of his life. And he's pretty much saying... Uh, my life's horrible and I should have done it God's way instead of my own way and should have took my own advice that I wrote in Proverbs. I wish I would have read my own book, but I didn't. (laughs) And in Ecclesiastes, it's pretty sobering. And he says, everything's vanity. You know, my money's vanity. Women are vanity. And this whole life is a waste without knowing God. Bottom line. And it's true. But he said, Keep or guard your heart or your inner man with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. You need to realize that your heart or your spirit is the most important thing you have. I'm going to repeat that. It is the most important thing you have, your heart. And in one thing I I was reading about your heart, it said the heart is the master controller over your life. Your heart or your spirit is the master controller over your life. You need to realize the value of your inner man because out of it flows the issues of life. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, you live from your inside out. A lot of people don't know that. They just think that everything's just uh, on the outside and just what you, what, the way you behave and act. But everything comes from the inside out. So if you're not right on the inside, it's going to come out in your actions. Just like if you are right with God on your inside, your actions are going to reflect that. And everything proceeds out of your inner person, your inner man. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Because we've got to deal with the root of issue. The root of the issue, which is that inner man, and you've got to have him changed. And the only person who can change your heart is God. And so uh, if you don't have God change your heart, the only thing coming from your heart is going to, it's only going to produce death who will to only produce things that are going to hurt you. So out of your heart proceeds your life, whether good or bad. Your whole life flows from your heart or from your inner man, your spirit. And notice he said, keep or guard your heart with all diligence or with everything you have. That's pretty strong language. I want you to guard your heart, but don't just guard it like it's just one of the many things that are valuable to you guard it with everything you have above everything else. Some translations say guard your heart above everything else. Why? Because it's the most important thing you have in this life is your heart or your spirit and how you take care of your heart or your spirit, man, depends on how your life ends up depends on whether you're living in the abundance that God wants to have for you, or you're living in, in lack, whether you're living a, a, a struggling, a, uh, Unhealthy lifestyle the rest of your life or you're living in the abundance of god or the life he's always called you to live It depends on your heart So the heart is the master controller of your life In one translation it says Guard your heart with everything for it determines what kind of life you will live Your heart determines what kind of life you live or lack of life you're living Your heart and I know a lot of you are already believers, and that doesn't give you a free pass to look over this verse. I mean, you gotta, you got to step up on everybody else because God changed your heart. But if you don't take care of your new spirit that God gave you, you, you will live like everybody else. You will live struggling like the world struggles because you don't take care of the, the heart that God gave you. Even though God gave you a new heart, if you don't take care of it, you'll live like everybody else. So your heart is the master controller of your life and it determines what kind of life you live or the lack of life you're living. You know, it says guard or keep your heart. Why? Because your heart is the most valuable thing you have. If you don't value something, you don't guard it. So your lack of guarding your heart or your inner man is because you don't see the value that your heart has. That's where you got to realize how important it is. It says, out of your heart flows the issues of life. You know, there's certain things I guard. There's certain things I don't care about. I don't guard them. Why? Because I don't value them. My iPod or my iPhone, I guard those things. Why? Because I value those things. You know, my sunglasses, those green sunglasses, I've been wearing for years. I can't lose them. I've tried to lose those glasses. I've lost every other person. Glasses I've had, I've broken every other pair. Those green ones—they just last forever. I don't know why they won't break, but I always go back to them after all these years. You know, what? I don't care about those green sunglasses. I don't guard them. I'll leave them out in public, just waiting for somebody to pick them up. Please take these. Release this burden that's been on my shoulder of these green sunglasses. This is just my my cross to bear for all these years. Somebody, please take these so I can get some cool sunglasses. But I do get compliments on them Because at Coffee Crossing the other day They were like Oh those are cheerful and festive (laughs) And I was like Well thank you I think they are very cheerful and festive glasses But notice I don't guard or keep My sunglasses Why? Because I don't value them A lot of you That's the way you treat your spirit man In your heart And don't blame anybody else But yourself Because you don't see the value of your heart and your spirit, man. A lot of people, they live like that. They have no restraints. They don't guard. They don't protect anything. They're just wide open for the enemy to mess up their heart. Because they don't value it. And what you value, you will protect. What you value, you will guard. You know, women put their jewelry in places where they can protect it. They don't set the jewelry out where everybody can look at it and they can take it. Anything that's valuable to you, you guard it. You protect it. Let's look over at 1 Corinthians 3. You guys get anything so far? 1 Corinthians 3. And it says in 1 Corinthians 3 in verse 9, it says, For we are fellow workers, and you are God's field, or you are God's garden, and you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another one builds on it. But let each one take heed on how he builds it. But I want you to focus on that. He said, we are God's field or God's garden. Now, stay with me here. Go stay with me. Now, we're still talking about your heart, but I'm going to try to kind of change what I call your heart. You know, your heart or your spirit, your inner man, all the same thing. Just so you guys know that they're not separate things. They're all the same thing. Your heart, your spirit, your inner man several places in the Bible, not just this place, but it refers to as your heart, your inner man, is God's garden. And that's why I I titled this guard your garden, not just guard your heart, guard your garden. So as, as we continue to talk about this, when I say garden, I'm talking about your heart. And it says you are God's garden. You know, in the Gospels, we know this from the parable of the sower in the Gospels, it talks about, the man who sowed seed on these four different types of soil. And some produced and some didn't produce. And it said that the field or the soil or the garden was your heart. And the seed was God's word. So when I'm talking about gardening, we're going somewhere, stay with me. Your heart is God's garden. In the Gospels, like I said, it it reinforces that all over the Gospels. When Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, he says, you are that field, you are that garden, and God's word is the seed. Now let's look over at one one more passage, Genesis 2. Oh, I'm excited. (laughs) Genesis 2. So guard your garden, guard your heart. For out of your garden will flow the issues of life, or lack thereof. You know, how many know if, if your garden has no fruit or veggies in it, it's not producing any life? How many know that God says he wants his followers to have fruit? And fruit only comes from somebody who's been taking care of their garden. Hello, Somebody. I just preached, Toss, and I didn't hear amen from you. <laughs> I know you're with me. So fruit comes from a person who's been taking care of their garden. People who don't take care of their garden don't have no fruit or veggies when it comes harvest time. Farmers who don't take care of their fields don't have a crop at the end of harvest season. They might have a couple of things that come up, but a lot of weeds and a lot of things that don't produce anything why it's a lack of them taking care of their garden so in genesis 2:15 in the beginning the beginnings it says in genesis 2:15 then the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to tend it and to keep it notice that god took man and put him in a garden And he told him to tend it and to keep it. Those words tend and keep are the exact same words that they use in Proverbs 4.23. They mean the exact same thing. Guarding your heart and keeping your heart are some of the exact same words that Solomon uses in Proverbs 4. So realize this. In the beginning, Genesis 2.15, God gave Adam a garden. You with me? He gave him a garden. And we're going to get to this later on. He's given each one of you a garden, which is your heart. And notice he told Adam two things. He said, I want you to tend it and I want you to keep it. Now, we're going to go into those words later on here, but you need to realize this. God gave Adam a job to tend and keep his own garden. God wasn't going to tend and keep the garden for Adam. He told Adam to do it. Are you with me? you can't blame God for what's in your life because that's what you've allowed into your garden. There's so many believers that blame God for everything. And he said, I told you to tend and keep your own garden and I gave you the supplies to do it. The only reason that there's there's junk in your garden, there's animals eating your fruit, there's weeds in your garden, there's all kinds of junk in your garden is because you didn't tend and keep the garden that I gave you. Because that's your responsibility. There's a man's side and there's a God's side. God gave you the garden. God, God gave you the tools to tend and keep the garden. But God gave you the responsibility to keep your own garden. To keep your own heart. And he gave you everything you need to do it. Now it's up to you that you do it. And out of that garden or out of your heart will flow the issues of life or lack thereof. If there's no life coming out of you, it's because you haven't been taking care of your heart. You haven't been guarding your heart. You've been planting the wrong things in your heart. You haven't been guarding your heart from predators that are trying to steal your crops that are in your heart. So God gave Adam a job and said, guard it and keep it. you got to realize this. In Genesis 2.15, Satan hadn't come yet. And God was giving Adam a heads up, guard the garden. Why? Because there's somebody coming to try to destroy the garden that I've given you. And all these thousands of years later, after Adam had sinned, you guys still have a garden, and there's still an enemy coming to try to destroy the garden that God has given you. And if you don't guard it, your garden will be messed up like the original Garden of Eden. If Adam would have just took God's advice when he said, tend the garden and keep it. This could be a whole different story. Adam Adam and Eve wouldn't have had to fall if he would have just took care of his garden. And it wasn't Eve's fault that, that Satan came in the garden. It was Adam's fault. Because if he would have been doing his job as the man, I just start talking about husbands and wives, you future husbands, if he would have been doing his job as the man to guard and keep what God had given his family, the devil would have never got in that, but he didn't do a good job, so the devil messed up, not just his family, but all creation, because he didn't guard it. I want to deal with those two words real quick. Is that okay with you? You guys not falling asleep, are you? Okay. Okay. I want to deal with those two words that he said, I want you to guard it and I want you to tend to the garden. There's two different words here and they mean two different things. And we're going to talk about those. Why? Because these two words are the keys to you protecting and guarding your heart with all diligence. They are the keys to Proverbs four twenty three, where it says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it will flow the issues of life. These are the two keys you say, well, why, how am I going to guard my heart or keep my heart? I want the right things in my heart. How am I going to do that? I want life to flow out of me, not death. Because I realize my heart is the most valuable thing I have. My garden is the most valuable thing I have. And out of it will proceed life or proceed death. And it's not God's choice. It's my choice what I allow in my garden. So first of all, let's deal with the word he said, I want you to keep it. That word keep it is the word guard or protect. The same word we used in Proverbs 4.23 when he said guard or keep your heart. So first of all, if you want to guard or protect your heart or your garden, you're going to have to be somebody who's on watch, who thinks about protecting his garden. You know, the society we live in, it it says, you know, you know, you just need to chill out. You just need to be open to everything. Just let everything in. Just be well-rounded. You know, all philosophies, all roads lead to God. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I just... You need to be open to anything and everything. And don't tell me what I believe is wrong because you're intolerant. And, uh, you know, I just... You just need to see everybody's point of view and believe in it, right? And um, just be open to all spirituality in all ways. And if you're not, you're narrow-minded or you're just religious. But actually, you're doing what this verse says. You're keeping and guarding your heart. Because somebody who's keeping and guarding their heart, that means they don't let everybody in their garden, they don't let every point of view in their garden. They don't let every philosophy and somebody's opinion in their garden. They don't let every stupid professor in their garden. They don't let society in MTV and VH1 and BET tell them how they're going to fix their garden. They don't go to uh, all those stations to see how they design gardens and how they want you to have your garden. And so you need to guard or protect it. You know, if you've had a garden yourself, I've had a couple little lame gardens uh, through the years. And most of my gardens were like cucumbers, tomatoes, basic stuff like that, maybe carrots. And every time, uh, I never guarded my garden. And usually animals ate what was in the garden every time. And I never got any harvest of anything. Why? Because I didn't protect or guard my garden. And especially any uh, person who really knows about uh, having a garden, they usually put up a fence around their garden so animals don't eat it. Amen. You know, in, in the parable of the sower, we quoted it earlier. What did he say? The soil or the field or the garden is your heart and the seed is God's word. And on some kind of the uh, on some of the soil, what happened? It said the birds came and they ate the seed. Why? because that person wasn't protecting the seed that was planted in his garden, which was the word of God. same thing happened why because he didn't protect what God gave him he didn't protect the seed of god's word you know the it's, it's not something to be freaked out about, but it's something to be aware of. It says when the word of God is sown into your heart, immediately the enemy comes to steal the word of God. Just like the birds or the animals come to steal seeds in a garden. So you got to realize when you come to Thursday night and you're pumped, don't be surprised if afterwards somebody tries to talk, talk you out of what you just learned. Because the enemy's coming to steal the seed, which is God's word, out of your garden. Because he knows if that, if that stuff starts growing up, you're to have some fruit. You're to have a harvest. And he can't do nothing about it then. But he tries to get it at the beginning stages. And not just on Thursday nights. Every time you get in God's word. Personally, on Sundays, on Tuesdays, on Thursday nights, on your iPod, on, on your computer, if you're listening to the word of God the enemy's not just going to lay down and let the word of God get in you and in your garden and produce fruit. He's going to try to come and steal it like animals try to steal the fruit or the veggies out of the garden. They try to s- steal the seeds out of the garden. And that's why he said, keep it and guard it or protect it. So number one, if you want your heart to be full of life and Life to flow out of it. You're going to have to guard and keep it. You're going to have to protect your heart. Protect your garden. That's number one. You need to realize that. Protect and guard your garden. Why? Because there's an enemy. And he is out to mess up your garden. He's out to eat the seed in your garden. The veggies. The fruit. Whatever you will let him have. He will take. If you will allow him. And it's your responsibility, not God's. God gave you the responsibility to do that for yourself. He gave you the tools to do it. You just need to do it. So realize you need to be guarded in a good way. There's a negative way when people are guarded. But in a good way, you need to be guarded and protective of what you let get inside of you. With what you read, with what you watch, with what you listen to, with other people's opinions everything you need to guard and protect what's in your heart because it does matter because out of it will flow the issues of life or lack thereof and a lot of people will try to talk you out of this you're just too narrow-minded oh my god chill out it's really not that big a deal okay well i i see your garden and your garden has all the veggies and fruit pillaged by the rabbits So why would I want to be like you? Because there's no fruit because you just left your garden open as a buffet for all the animals because you just want to be tolerant and see everybody's views and you want to be open to experiencing new things that are only going to hurt you, not help you. So you need to keep guard, protect your garden. First of all, that's what you need to do. That's the first thing. Why? Because you have an enemy and he's going to come to... Come to try to steal that. Number two, he said, he took the man and put him in the garden to tend it. So he said to keep it, but he also said to tend it. Now, tend is a different word. And the word tend is to cultivate or to sow into. I just, I just went and preached again. I'm sorry. He went and cultivated or he sowed into. So number one, keep it, guard it. That's important. But here's a, a lot of Christians, they'll do one or the other. And they don't get it. Because a lot of Christians are sowing stuff into their life and trying to cultivate their garden. But they're not guarding it. So all the, the, the animals are eating all the fruit and veggies. And then we got other people over here who are guarding and protecting their heart. But they're not sowing anything into it. So there's no harvest. I hope you're listening tonight, or getting something. Am I, I'm not throwing this over your head, am I? Okay. So the second word is to tend, to cultivate, to sow. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. In the beginning, in Genesis 2, okay, God made the garden. God made Adam. God made all the plants, all the animals. He gave Adam everything he needed to live and to live a life abundantly. He, gave, he made all the rivers, all the mountains, everything. He hooked Adam up and gave him a woman that was pretty. Okay, amen. So Adam had everything he needed. But notice, God just gave Adam two responsibilities. Guard it, tend it, or cultivate it, or sow into it. Meaning, God's not going to come down and keep planting seeds and cultivating the ground for Adam. Once he put the things in motion, it was Adam's responsibility to plant the seeds that God had already given him. Notice, God provided the seeds. adam It wasn't Adam's job to provide uh, plants and animals and all that. God provided the plants and the seeds that Adam would need for him and his family to eat. It says that in the word of God. To eat and to be provided for from those plants, but it was Adam's job to plant those seeds and to cultivate or take care of those things. He planted. Are you with me so far? So notice God gave Adam the seed, but it was Adam's job to sow it and to take care of the seed that he's given him. Now the parable of the sower, what does it say? The seed is God's word. The seed is God's word. Are you listening at all? The seed is God's word. So whose job is it to sow the seed of God's word into your life? Yours. Why? He gave you the seed, which is his word. As some of you are wondering why what you read in the Bible is not showing up. You're not sowing any of this in your life. And it's not God's job to sow it. It was God's job to give you the seed. Here it is, right here. Sow it into your own life and reap the benefits of it. He's not going to be changing your diapers for the rest of your life. Grow up. He gave you the seed, just like he gave Adam the seed in the beginning and said, You sow it if you want to harvest. That's what he told Adam. You sow it if you want to harvest. I'm not going to come down here and help you cultivate your own garden for the rest of your life. I made everything available to you. Now it's your responsibility. It's the same thing with us. God gave us his word, which is the seed. It's our job to sow it into our own life and to cultivate it, to water it. As I said in 1 Corinthians, what he said, one planted and one watered. It's your job to to plant that seed into your life, but it's also your job to water that seed in your life. But notice, it's God's job to bring the increase into your life. But how many know God cannot bring increase or a harvest or fruit into your life if you haven't sowed anything and you haven't watered anything? So don't get mad at people that got fruit up in their life. They've been sowing and they've been watering something and you haven't. Are you getting anything? And you got to realize this too. Just something for all of us to think about. Is when you sow a seed. And when you water a seed. The harvest doesn't come tomorrow. See a lot of you in here. Don't get discouraged. If you've been sowing the seed of God's word into your life. If you've been watering that seed. And you haven't seen everything you want to see with that harvest yet. Why? Because the seed doesn't come up overnight. Sometimes it takes time. For that seed to grow. It takes time to reap a harvest. How many know that? We live in a a, a place where there's a lot of crops. There's corn everywhere around here. And how many know? The day they plant it is not the day they harvest. Sometimes it's months and months down the road. But it's guaranteed. If I plant it, I will harvest something. But in the same token, if I don't plant anything... I won't harvest anything. That's what I'm saying. A lot of us need to stop getting frustrated. You didn't plant anything, so why are you expecting a harvest? Real talk. Don't get mad at other people that are experiencing the harvest because they've been planting some things into your life and you've been playing games in your garden. Hello, Somebody. You can't get mad at somebody who's reaping a harvest because they've been sowing and they've been watering and you've been out just lollygagging in your garden. Don't get mad at other people for that. Why? Because if you don't sow anything, you're not going to reap anything. Why? Because it's your responsibility. It's not God's. It was God's responsibility and gift to give you the word of God, which is the seed. It's your responsibility to sow it into your heart and water it. Are you guys getting anything? I'm seeing some blank faces. I, I, okay. I'm just checking. You guys are thinking with me. So it's our job to cultivate it or to sow it. Let's look over at Galatians. <laughs> oh, Bishop's helping me. Even if the rest of you ain't helping me, Bishop's helping me. Galatians. Galatians. you got to realize something that goes back along to you cultivating your garden the parable of the sower i keep mentioning that it's in mark 4 there was four different types of soil or four different types of gardens which that was the people's heart and notice the seed was the same in all four gardens which was the word of god and some gardens or fields didn't produce fruit and others did. So what's the difference? It wasn't the seed. It was the soil. Why? Because certain people didn't choose to cultivate or make their heart or their garden a right place to receive God's word. I just want to throw that in for for fun tonight. I'm not going to elaborate on that, but it says cultivate. That means you need to make some preparation for God's word to come in there. Just like you would cultivate the ground before you plant seeds. So you need to think about that too. Before you plant God's word in there, what are you doing to cultivate your heart to receive God's word? How about praying before you read God's word that you're actually going to receive something and you're not just reading a textbook or like your psychology book for college and you're believing that you're actually going to receive God's word into your heart, and it's going to produce fruit in your life, then I'm just reading this to check off my devotional plan and to please my mom and dad. Because you're not going to get anything. Because I used to do that. You're not going to get anything. Nothing. But you're actually reading God's word because you realize, when I read God's word, it's not pointless. It's not something that's just to take up my time but it's something that's actually going to produce fruit in my life. And then there's going to be a harvest for me reading this word. And it's going to produce something in my life. Can I get amen? So Galatians 6 and verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And nothing else. I just threw that in for fun. But dad says that too when he reads this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And nothing else. I want to repeat that again. If you sow nothing into your life, spiritual. If you sow none of God, God's word into your life. If you sow no worship time in your life. If you sow no prayer time in your life. If you sow no time listening to God's word in your life. Don't expect a harvest because it's not coming, because you didn't plant anything. Go talk to any farmer. You don't plant anything, you don't get anything. It's that easy. It's not rocket science. So realize God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Notice, good or bad. Now, we haven't dealt with that yet. We just talked about the good stuff. But good or bad, whatever you sow into your life, you're going to reap. In verse 8, for he who sows to his flesh will reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap life everlasting. In verse 9, this is a key verse. This is a key verse. And this goes back to what I said earlier about when you sow, you're not going to reap the next day. Okay? Because I know a lot of us that are younger, we live in mcdonald's culture we live in fast food culture we live in i want it right this second that we live in uh i'm not going to drive to the store to get a cd i'm going to download it on itunes because it's only going to take me a minute why because we want everything right now and god doesn't work like that can i say that and that goes completely countercultural to where all of us live because a lot of us want our food right now. We want our music right now. We want our, our big job and our big paycheck right now. We want everything right now. And that's what the culture has told us. You can have everything right this second. But God doesn't work like that. God works seed time and harvest. That means sometimes there's seasons where you're waiting for the harvest. And that, those are seasons where you've got to keep sowing and watering the seed that's in the ground. But you've got to be diligent to do it if you want to see the harvest. And that's where a lot of people just give up. Between them sowing the word of God into their life and them reaping the harvest of what they've been sowing. A lot of people give up. Especially young people. I've seen a lot of them give up. Why? Because they didn't realize God is not a microwave God. He's not a fast food God. He doesn't work on your time limit. He works on his own time limit. You got to realize that God doesn't work on your time limit. Realize that God, God lives outside of time. He, he don't work on your schedule. God, I need this by next Monday. Can you do that for me? Please. Listen, he's God. You're not, you're not his boss. Real talk. You're not his boss, but he's promised. He will bring the harvest in his time, which is always the right time. And this is an encouraging verse. You need, to, you need to read this. If you ever get discouraged about, you feel like you've been sowing, you've been watering into your heart, and you're not seeing all the fruits of it, the harvest yet. In verse 9, it says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. Notice that. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Why did he say that? Because there's a tendency, if we're not seeing the results, we're going to grow weary. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to feel like giving up if we don't see the results immediately. Like the culture we live in says, you get these results immediately. Just like people, can we talk real talk? I'm talking to me and Beanie on this one. Who buy P90X and we look at the the guy on P90X. And just because we did one day of P90X, we want to look like that guy. But notice it doesn't happen the first day you do P90X. That guy's been sowing and watering for a long time to look like that. Why? Because we live in that culture. We want everything right then. I did one hour of P90X. I want to look like this dude who looks like Chad Steele on the cover. <laughs> but notice it doesn't work like that. Why? Because it takes time. And a lot of people get weary and well-doing when it comes to exercise. Amen. How many are with me on that one? When. About eating right and exercising. We get weir- Why? Because we don't see the results immediately. But the results don't come immediately. Why? They take time. And I'll tell you this. A lot of the most important things in your life are always going to take time. In verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's a promise. You're going to reap everything you've been sowing and you've been watering in your life. If you don't lose heart. Why does he say that? Because a lot of people lose heart in the meantime. A lot of people lose heart between them planting and the harvest. Why? Because they have no patience and they want the immediate results. But let me say again, God doesn't pay up every day. God doesn't bring the harvest every day, but he will bring the harvest in his timing. And when you receive that harvest, it's going to be worth it, all the sowing and all the watering you've been doing. Trust me, it's going to be worth it. So don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in sowing. Don't get weary in reading your Bible. Don't get weary in coming to church. Don't get weary in doing your ministry of helps. Don't get weary in giving your tithes and offerings. Don't get weary in listening to the word of God. Don't get weary in worshiping God. Don't get weary because in due season, you're going to reap everything you've been sowing. It's a promise. And those who have lost heart are not going to reap what they sowed. You know, a lot of people that I know, they planted and watered a lot of seeds, but they walked away from the field way too early. And that wonderful harvest that they could have had, they let their field go. Go. And now you look at their field and they got all kinds of funky grass in that field. All the deers done ate all the corn in their field. Why? Because they left their field too early. They left their field too early. And there was a wonderful harvest coming, but why? They wanted it right now. God doesn't work like that. Let me say that again. He's not a microwave God. I love this. Jensen Franklin said this one time God is not a microwave God, He's a crockpot God. That means sometimes the way He works is a lot of things take some time, take some patience, take some sowing, take some watering, but you're going to reap the harvest. How many know something that's been cooking in the crockpot for a long time, like Grandmama used to make, is going to taste a lot better than your leftovers you put in the microwave? Can I get amen? If you got somebody who really knows to cook like, like big mama's house, she cooking something in a crock pot for like three days. Is she cooking like a pork roast that Jesus, we need to go eat here. She cooking a pork roast, man, that, that that's going to just fall off the bone, that meat and get some sweet baby rays. Can I get amen D come on now? Some sweet baby rays on that, but how many know that tastes a lot better than your leftovers from Tomo in the microwave. I don't know. Warrior, he likes my leftovers. Pretty good. And that's the way God rolls. He's a God of seed time and harvest. Sometimes things take time. But notice it says, if we won't grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You no, know, that's the same thing. Can I just say this? Cause I'm about done. Go ahead and say that. Say, see, speak, say that. A lot of times churches, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> A lot of times churches, because they have the same mentality that most people do that are, you know, instant and instant gratification. And if we're not 5,000 members by tomorrow, we're just giving up. A lot of times churches give up way before their harvest time. Hello, somebody. The amount of ministers and churches that close down every month just in North America. Not just in North America. That's not counting all the rest of the continents of people in churches and ministers that, that quit every month. Why? Because they lose, they lost heart and they grew faint in doing good because they didn't see the harvest that they knew was coming and if they just would have been patient and if they just would have kept sowing and if they just could would have kept watering they would have seen that harvest eventually and it's sad because a lot of churches and a lot of ministers have closed down even before god had brought the full harvest that was coming to them and i wanted to say that on purpose to encourage all of us in here because all of us in here have a big vision on where this group and where our church is going and we see the elevation churches, and we see the city churches, and we see the Hillsong New York cities, and we see that. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Why? Because in due season, we're going to reap everything we've been sowing. We're going to reap everything we've been believing for we're going to reap everything we've been watering and we've been planting and we've been sowing and we've been worshiping and we've been praying and we've been reading our Bible like we got 5,000 people and we've been worshiping like there's 10,000 people out there and we've been doing all this in the meantime. And notice when the harvest is ready to come, we'll be ready for it. So as I close here, question to ask yourself, what are you sowing into your garden? You don't have to answer that question right now, but to yourself later on. What are you sowing into your garden? If anything, what are you sowing into your garden? Are you sowing Call of Duty? I know I just hit home on three or four of you immediately. Are you sowing your TV time? Are you sowing all these things that are really not important in the scheme of things? What are you sowing into your garden or into your heart? Are you sowing things that are going to be important five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now? Are you sowing things that are eternal into your heart? Because at the end of time, only what's done for Christ will last. Okay, not your call of duty score. It's not going to last. Um, just had to say that. You know, not the amount of times you dunked on Cone at the basketball court. That's not going to count. God's going to appreciate that, that I dunked on Cone a few times, but it's not going to matter in the scheme of things. I mean, how many laps you did in your pool and uh, you beat Warrior in swimming races, it's not going to matter in the scheme of things. It's going to be fun here and now. But you got to think about what am I sowing into my life are these eternal things. And I named a few of them earlier, such as reading your Bible, worship time, prayer time, hearing the word of God, serving others and not yourself. Those are important. And that's not just at church. That's like your everyday life. You know, you can serve people every other day of the week. It doesn't have to be just at church for a couple of hours. Okay. Um, just in case you guys didn't know that. Uh, you can serve other people during the week. That's kind of what Christians are supposed to do. So um, <laughs> what are you sowing into your garden or your heart? Also, on the flip side of that, what are you allowing others to sow into your heart or your garden? You know, if I had a friend that was constantly sowing negativity and bad seeds and all sorts of things along those lines, I would guard that person from getting in my garden to plant those seeds. Hello. If you've got a friend who's always negative and is always just talking about stuff that does not matter, please don't let them sow into your garden. Because there's going to be a harvest come up there and you're be like, how did this get in here? Uh, it's your dumb friend you let sow into your garden. Because negative Nancy and Debbie Downer have been sowing into your garden all week. My, my. <laughs> and you're reaping the harvest of what your friends have been sowing into there.